the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. And a good morning to you. Thank you. Hour number two now at eight minutes past 10 o'clock on this Tuesday, the 18th morning of the second month of the year of our Lord 2020. When you listen to the Ronald Reagan open that I've been using for a couple of years now, and I open each hour with that uh, clip of the great communicator, the juxtaposition of that with avowed socialists now leading now leading one of the two major parties in this country with a 31% of likely Democrat voters approving, uh, or excuse me, choosing uh, Bernie Sanders to win the Democrat nomination, an avowed communist. You listen to the great champion of capitalism, the champion of our constitutional republic, President Reagan, and you juxtapose that with Bernie Sanders. It makes it stand out even more. But I remember... For some reason, I was being very excited when, when Fidel Castro made the revolution in Cuba. I was a kid, and I remember reading that. And it was just seemed right and appropriate that poor people were rising up against rather ugly rich people. I mean, this is from 1986, but he's referencing back when he was a kid, which means that literally for his entire 131 years of life, and I don't know if that's exactly, I might be off a year or two, his entirety of his long life, he has been a believer in communism. And he's now in charge of one of the two parties, or at least is the front runner to become uh, the nominee for president of the United States, a man who believes these things. So I think the time is long overdue for us to be clear that health care is a human right for all, including, by the way, the undocumented in this country. You will be taxed. You will have your resources taken away from you to provide health care for illegal aliens. This is the front runner. 
In second place is a man who hasn't even been on a debate stage yet, but he's bought his way into that position, and that's Mike Bloomberg, and that's who our next guest wants to talk about as we say good morning to Peter Kersenow. Peter Kersenow, member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights. Peter Kersenow, the best-selling author. Peter Kersenow, the Cleveland attorney. Peter Kersenow, the columnist for National Review. And Peter Kersenow, the host of the Kersenow Report on AM 1420, The Answer. Good morning, my friend. How are you? Great, Bob. 37 days into opening day. Miles Garrett's going to start uh, for the first game of the season. And it looks like the Democrats have lost every shred of sanity they may have possessed at some point. It's really a kind of a remarkable thing to watch. It really, really is. I call them the killer bees because Americans will die if either one of them become president of the United States. Bernie Sanders, by his socialist policies, I just uh, replayed an interview I did with a Venezuelan expat who um, uh, lived through the horror of socialism before being able to escape and make it to the United States legally, by the way, with his family. Um, and, you know, so you, you bring you bring what, you know, is happening there and in other socialist countries. People are going to die. And uh, then there's Mike Bloomberg. People are going to die in a Mike, Mike Bloomberg administration as well. Which people? Eh, the people that we don't care about anymore. You know, you show up with prostate cancer and you're 95 years old, you should say, go and enjoy, have a nice day, live a long life. There's no cure. And you can't do it. If you're a young person, we should do something about it. Society's not willing to do that yet. Rationed health care. Peter Kirsten, now the death panels that Sarah Palin once warned of, evidenced in the words of Mike Bloomberg, who says if you get cancer at 95, hey, good luck. Uh, live as long as you can, but there's nothing we can do for you. If you're younger, we'll try to do something for you. Pete? The killer bees. Uh, people are going to die under either one of these two. <clears throat> excuse me, under one of these two. Uh, the policies of one of these two um, um, uh, Democrat frontrunners. Yeah, they got to get elected first, and um, I am highly skeptical that's going to happen unless. And this is a a, a big if. Um, this is something that should concern conservatives. I think uh, maybe not greatly yet, but it's something to keep an eye on. Of course, is the coronavirus and the impact on the economy right now. Um, if you just look at historical modeling, Trump will win and win really, really big if all things remain virtually the same. You know, it doesn't have to be precisely the same. But if the economy is some semblance of what we're currently experiencing, none of these uh, Lilliputians are going to beat Trump. Um, but we've seen, you know, look at the stock market today. You see some of the projections from Apple and some other major concerns. Walmart's another one that says they're going to have to make adjustments related to their earnings estimates based on the coronavirus. You know, uh, unfortunately, you know, so many of our corporations have uh, operations overseas in China or are affected because of supply chains related to China or the Chinese market. So that's something to keep an eye on. Um, Right now, the prognostications don't seem to suggest there's going to be the kind of economic dislocation to cause a a major uh, restructuring to what we currently see the election modeling to be. But again, um, I think, you know, with respect to Bloomberg and Bernie Sanders, it's truly extraordinary that individuals like this would be one in two in any major party's uh, polling for the reasons that you mentioned. And Bloomberg, my goodness, he's really kind of burst onto the national scene in a way, you know, with he has spent my estimates or not my estimates, but what I understand is that he has spent approximately four hundred and thirty five billion million dollars to date, nearly a half a billion dollars, and he has yet to even appear in a debate or even be, you know, on um, 
any kind of uh, caucus or primary. This is truly extraordinary. Um, and then, you know, all the things that have been dripping out in the last week about him with respect to the various revelations of statements, the one that you mentioned, um, right. you know, it's, it's a kind of a version of Hillary Clinton's deplorables statement, but he's got he's <laughs> repeated statements of this nature that, that, for example, the one that you just played with respect to, you know, a 95-year-old, or and he's, I've seen other statements where he says you have some 85-year-old come in and he's got so-and-so, you know, and he, it, it's not so much that what he says doesn't have an element of rationality to it. It's that the the callous way in which he says these things suggests a mindset that is, you know, the Democrats always like to talk about, you know, Trump being an authoritarian and, you know, he's dangerous and all this stuff. I'm much more concerned about the cold, calculating guy like a Bloomberg who's actually tried to implement some of this stuff. And, you know, he doesn't say things based on hyperbole. You know, Trump, as we know, is the great salesman. He will say things and exaggerate for effect. Bloomberg is pretty precise about what he says, and what he says uh, and the way he says it can be a little bit concerning. So, you know, he's that's the very thing. Let me jump in on that if I can before you continue, because that's really, really important. It's one thing to say things kind of off the cuff and, and, and like you said, maybe to embellish some things for hyperbole for the purpose of a fact and to get more attention, the way you said Trump does oftentimes. This guy believes this. And he believes it to his core. I want you. I'm going to play. Do you know Lawrence Jones? You probably know Lawrence Jones. Yes. Uh, maybe you may have even been on Fox at the same time at one of your uh, commentary segments. But but this is what Lawrence uh, Lawrence, uh, Lawrence Jones said. Very similar to what you just did. Uh, network error, and it is not working. Darn it. Uh, okay, what he said was, and I'll quote him, uh, I've gotten more information. This is how Bloomberg truly feels, just how he felt about stop and frisk. I also think there's a problem because he's not willing to go on the record and to defend these ideas. He's sending surrogates out, and they can't spin this. There's no way of spinning this information that's been newly revealed. So... He's essentially saying what he is saying isn't for effect or for attention or for hyperbolic means. He, he really believes this. And the question I have, just to kind of stay on the one subject of the 95-year-old, at what point does a, does a President Bloomberg per presiding over a Medicare for All type of thing like Bernie wants to do, does the government, some government panel say, okay, it's actually 85. Well, it's actually 75. Well, it's actually 70. They've lived a long enough life. We can't spend our resources trying to, to solve their problems and treat them. Uh, we've got to focus on the 30-year-old because they've got more life to live. Pete, that is exactly what many of us feared. And without private health care being, you know, at least an alternative alternative to a government health care, and it would be wiped out under all of these plans, these, these senior citizens would essentially be left to die. Bloomberg's got this technocratic approach to governance that if he were a minor bureaucrat in charge of implementing, you know, some kind of parking policy, you wouldn't have a major problem with it. But this guy's running for the most powerful office in the world. And all of his experience, all of his um, past with respect to his being the mayor of uh, New York suggests that this is the kind of guy who implement this guy. He micromanages things. You know, the I remember years ago, uh, I think I wrote a post on NRO about his banning of soft drinks above a certain number of ounces. Um, that's a minor thing. You know, it's something that's even kind of humorous that he would attempt to do that. But it really is an insight, especially when you consider all the other statements he's made, into 
how this guy views the populace that he governs, that, um, you know, and the disdain in which he holds the populace which he governs. We've heard just in the last couple of days the statements that cumulatively are similar to the deplorables comment made by Hillary Clinton, but he's made so many of them. The one with respect to farmers, and, and he also included in there factory workers also, who don't have the gray matter really to do oh, the God. kind of things that he, he does. Yeah. You know, and then the, you know, he, he talks about... Um, you know, stop and frisk in the way he did it. By the way, stop and frisk actually worked, but the manner in which he talks about it suggests something that is, um, you know, and, and the way he kind of cavalierly pivots and says, oh, no, I'm not in favor of that stuff. In other words, he can discard a policy at, at the drop of the hat if it doesn't further his political interests. The statements, the Cal statements he made with respect to, you know, apparently in a lawsuit, there have been a number of witnesses, despite the fact that there are non-disclosure agreements in, in effect, but there are a number of other witnesses not subject to the NDAs, who said that he did say to a pregnant employee, kill it, you know, um, and then another person who was, uh, I believe, pregnant and was thinking about getting child care and was having problems with that. He said, all you have to do is get some black to, you know, uh, take care of it. It's a blank baby, after all. I mean, these kinds of statements and coming so so quickly. Remember, this guy really hasn't been running uh, in the traditional sense. He's no, been just he, simply flooding the airwaves with hagiography. Hey and, and but and he's that's got to be on the debate works. stage now. That works, Pete, because, like, bingo. He hasn't had to answer uh, challenges from the, his fellow opponents. He hasn't been on a stage next to them. He hasn't had uh, to do all he's been able to do. I had a caller previously say he was trying to play Minecraft, you know, the online video game, and a Bloomberg ad interrupted it. Bloomberg is flooding every uh, digital marketplace he can with ads because those are effective. And guess what? He went from 0% a few weeks ago to 19% in the National Marist Poll we were just talking about. And, I, and before we take our break here, and I know the music's explain, but real quick, uh, Pete, uh, following up on the stop and frisk thing, which, of course, has a racial component to it, you were right. President Trump was right. Rudy Giuliani was right. It's more, It works. But the way he dismisses and the way he describes the minorities who are kind of targeted in all of that, uh, I think is really, really embellished by this clip. This cohort of black and Latino males aged, let's say, 16 to 25 that don't have jobs, don't have any prospects, don't know how to find jobs, don't know uh, that they, what their skill sets are, don't know how to behave in the workplace where but they let, have to work let me if I, uh, Peter Kersenow, uh, can you imagine if Donald Trump had said the words black and Latino males don't know how to behave in the workplace? Oh my goodness gracious, where is the outrage mainstream media for this newly unearthed clip? of Michael Bloomberg describing and diminishing and insulting in a very racist manner, suggesting that black and Latino males don't know how to behave in the workplace. Personnel, respond to that next. AM 1420 The Answer. Yeah, that's what it says on the uh, show title. Thanks for being with us on AM 1420 The Answer. It's 1025. Peter Personnel continuing with us. Peter, I want to get your response to that because that, that whole stop and first thing is a very dicey situation, as you and I have talked about before, because Bloomberg obviously endorsed it and used it effectively. Uh, uh, Rudy Giuliani used it before he did, and President Trump has supported it and said we should do it nationwide. It has been very effective in cutting down violent crime, but it also does, as Bloomberg so callously said, target minorities, and he is on, he was.
was while he was mayor unapologetic for that. But now that he's running and he needs the black vote, he's very apologetic. But he's gonna not. He's not going to be able to to talk his way out of comments like black and Latino males. Yeah, they don't even know how to behave in the workplace. Your response? Uh, yeah, I think you know what's interesting to me about this is watching the reaction of progressives because they have set up a certain template, a certain set of tests, purity tests. And they're going to have to judge Bloomberg by that. Otherwise, they are going to be, and I, I frankly believe, however, they're not going to judge him the same way. We're, what we're witnessing is the great American sellout here on the part of a lot of Democrats, either because of Bloomberg's money or because of the desire to beat Donald Trump and acquire power. And it's very apparent that the sellout is occurring uh, because of those two factors. Look, if yeah, but tomorrow Bloomberg, night his opponents on the debate stage aren't going to sell out. They're going to they're going to hit him on this. Right. He's going to have to respond. That's right. That's exactly right. But most of the media, the progressives in the DNC, a lot of folks like that, and all the various groups who've accepted tons of money from Bloomberg so that uh, they would either remain silent at 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 best or maybe even support him. Um, but all those folks who have been bought out by Bloomberg, it's going to be very, very interesting to watch. The problem for him is you look at, um, you know, you know, Sharpton's gotten money from him. Of course, the DNC has gotten money from him. Look at the various initiatives throughout the various states. Virginia, for example, this is Mr. Gun Control. You know, he has financed more gun control yeah. initiatives than anybody else around. He crashed and burned yesterday in Virginia. But... I, I, it's going to be interesting, as I said, to watch over the next couple of months. It's going to be a litmus test for us to watch Democrats. We will, will be able to judge the true believers from those who are simply transactional. In other words, they will support anybody as long as it means that they acquire power and or money. And the, as you just indicated, the only thing standing between Bloomberg and the nomination, of course, are the other candidates. And those candidates are, with the exception of Bernie Sanders, incredibly weak. Bernie Sanders yeah. isn't weak in that respect because he's got a very loyal following that won't dip below, say, 20 to 25 percent of the Democratic primary base. And if they see, I mean, think about Bloomberg is like the antithesis of everything Democrats have set up as litmus tests over the last couple of years. He's a billionaire. We've heard about how horrible billionaires are. We, you know, he's a guy who makes all kinds of sexist comments. And in the Me Too era, you know, the slightest uh, transgression, something that would have not caused any concern, say, five years ago now, is the death penalty. The various standards that they've sent, Bloomberg rips them to shreds. So let's just see, you know, how sincere mm -hmm. these folks are. It's going to be... I think something for a lot of people, it's going to expose them for what they are. Well, we know what they are, but it's going to expose them to their own constituents, those who have maybe held their nose and hoped that uh, when push came to shove that these individuals would do the right thing. But now they see that these guys, as I said, are just transactional. Whatever works, they'll go with. Whether it's, you know, if they can get money from the guy, fine. If they can acquire power as the result of hitching themselves to him, fine. Quite, quite interesting to watch. I happen to think that this is going to be one of the great implosions in party history, whether it's Democrat or Republican, because of all the litmus tests they've set up, but they've got this one faction, the Bernie faction, that believes sincerely and not without a heck of a lot of evidence that the election or the, the nomination was stolen from him the last time. And if there's any sense 
that that's happening again this time. I think, you know, you're going to see a huge riot among Democrats. I mean that in a figurative sense, but you're also going to see a significant portion of the Bernie folks either sit out the election, and I wouldn't discount having a sliver of them vote for Trump. 12% did last time, Mm. uh, and this time they'll have a lot of evidence that, in fact, they were taken to the cleaners. One of them has to win it, and I agree with you. The other ones are all so incredibly weak. One of these two guys is going to win it, and it's uh, and it's really just a matter of which killer B is uh, the least uh, uh, dangerous, I suppose, for the DNC to nominate. Uh, Pete, on the other side, we've, we've done a lot of Bloomberg here. I still want to ask you more about the farmers and the gray, uh, gray matter, but I do want to focus more on Bernie next segment as well because he's the real story here at 31%. Despite Democrats trying to rob him, he continues to surge in popularity among mainly younger voters, millennials, and Gen Zers who can vote now. Uh, and I want to uh, I want to focus laser-like on what his policies would bring to this country as we continue. One more segment with Kirsten on AM 1420 News. Ten thirty-five. We continue now on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Twenty-five minutes of outstanding awesome left for you this morning. Then we're going to give it to Mike Gallagher for his brand of awesome. You're going to get Prager. You're going to get America First with Doctor G. J. Secular Live. Larry Elder. Stay here all day, all evening on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Peter Kersenow. Speaking of awesome, is with us again. Pete, I want to hit one more Bloomberg clip and you get your response before I go in on Bernie Sanders or I ask you to go in on Bernie Sanders. This was just one of the most staggering statements um, that I think we've seen in a long line of unbelievable things from uh, from uh, Mike Bloomberg. You talk about being out of touch with um, particularly middle America. Anybody, even people in this room, so no offense intended, to, to be a farmer. You, it's a process. You dig a hole, you put a seed in, you put dirt on top, add water, up comes the corn. Then we had 300, you could learn that. Then, then um, you have 300 years of the industrial society. Uh, you put the piece of metal on the lathe, you turn the crank in the direction of the arrow, and you can have a job. And, and we created a lot of jobs. 1.98% of the world worked in, uh, in agriculture today. It's 2% in the United States. Uh, now comes the information economy. And the information economy is fundamentally different because it's built around replacing people with technology and the skill sets that you have to learn are how to think and analyze. And that is a whole degree level different. You have to have a different skill set. You have to have a lot more gray matter. All right, Pete. Um translated farmers are dumb uh factory workers are dumb uh if you work for silicon valley you're smart these are the only people that we really uh, cater to now i i don't know about you but i think he just lost 30 states in the midwest 30 farming agricultural centered states in uh, in one sentence there your thoughts i i tend to agree i don't know about the exact number of states he's lost but clearly that is his version of deplorables, and a lot more specific than the deplorable statement, and he repeats it over and over again. Not just that statement, but some version thereof that shows you the disdain in which he holds so many of the American people. And among other things, it's just ignorant and wrong. Uh, you know, we all know folks like this. I mean, when us, I, I always tell people uh, about uh, the father of my best friend who was a, a carpenter and general contractor. And I always use him as a standard because this guy graduated from high school, didn't go on to college, 
but one of the smartest guys I've ever met. He could figure out everything. He was able to think his way out of any kind of situation or figure things out in a way that I couldn't uh, ascribe to most of the po- folks with PhDs that I know. Uh, it's really extraordinary the political tone deafness that this individual has. Yes, he was mayor of New York, but I think that's a whole different ball game than running for almost anything else, and it's kind of sui generis. It is New York. It's kind of peculiar in that regard. But now he's going to be on the big stage as soon as tomorrow, and he's going to have to answer questions. Everything I've seen, and I'll be very curious to see how he comports himself, how he handles himself under actually direct attack, because that's that's not happened to him before. Because what we've seen so far indicates somebody who's not very politically inept and, and good on his feet. And he, he hasn't figured out the kind of language that is necessary to get a nomination in this Democratic Party, in this media environment, that has set certain standards. And let's, let's face it, frankly, Michael Bloomberg, many of the attributes of Michael Bloomberg are those that the media falsely ascribes to Donald Trump and does so in order to damage Trump and show what an awful human being he is. So very interesting to see what happens. And as I said, we're witnessing the great American sellout. A lot of people will reveal themselves and a lot of institutions will reveal themselves by how they interact with Michael Bloomberg. Peter Kirsten now joining us as we talk about Michael Bloomberg, one of the two killer bees that are at the top now of the Democrat Party, at least in terms of polling. We'll see what happens after he gets on a debate stage tomorrow, and then, of course, we get more uh, primaries as he uh, centers his strategy on Super Tuesday. Let's go to the other killer bee now. Bernie Sanders um, likes to call himself a Democratic Socialist. He likes to make sure that you get that modifier, Democratic, in front of Socialist um, to lessen the blow a little bit and to try to claim that this is, uh, this is more normal. Normalized. Pete, he's not democratic socialist because there is no difference between democrat socialist and socialist. And from that standpoint, he's not even socialist. He's full on communist. As I played for you, he has felt from his very beginning years, early developmental years, he supported communist. He supported and was excited about the communist revolution in Cuba. And still to this very day, uh, as he runs for president of the United States, he continues to establish uh, and uh, and to explain his communist ideals. So what I believe is there should be a guaranteed federal jobs program. If you are capable of working, there should be a decent paying job for you. There should be job training to make sure you can get that job, education available to you so that you have the skills to do that work. So I think the time is long overdue for us to be clear that health care is a human right for all, including, by the way, the undocumented in this country. Peter Kersenow, we talked about him a lot on Friday. Um, I want to hit it again, and I want to keep hitting it until people understand. The man right now that is the front runner for the Democratic nomination for President of the United States is a full-on communist, and what he would bring to this country is the economic model and the dictatorial authoritarian model that has killed over a 100 million people around the world. I can't overstate it enough. How do you state it? Uh, in the same way that you do, Bob, you cannot overstate it, and I think you're doing a, a great service by continuing to repeat this because clearly our educational establishment and our media have failed just incredibly 
to let the American people, mainly young people, know what this is all about. There's no sugarcoating this at all. He appears as if, kind of like, at least visually, as this kind of grandfatherly and, and in many ways, kind of a, a ridiculous, kind of harmless kind of figure. Nothing could be further from the truth. Now, keep in mind, remember the old statement, there's no fool like an old fool? This individual is 78 years old. He's been around, and he's actually been to the old Soviet Union, and yet he still thinks that this is the model that should be applied to the greatest nation on earth, the most successful nation in the history of the world. He's impervious to facts and logic. We have more than 100 years of evidence supporting what you said or your description of socialism slash communism. And by the way, I want someone, you know, as someone who has studied this, very, very intensely for decades, I would like someone to describe to me the difference, true difference between socialism and communism. I've asked that question a number of times of professors, of uh, political folks. No one can give me an adequate explanation. Now, there is an explanation for it, but the explanation is one that is cosmetic. It's one that um, is done to elide the fact that socialism and communism are the, of the same genus, and the outcome is the same. No matter what, the outcome is the same. So here's someone who for the last 40-plus years has been ascribing to a doctrine that during that very 40 years has demonstrated itself to be one of the most malign ideologies, no, the most malign ideology in the history of the world, as you indicated, responsible for the deaths of millions and the repression of millions more. And we can see the collapse happening in real time. We saw Venezuela, and I don't mean to you know, keep beating a dead horse here because everyone has seen this, but apparently it hasn't sunk in, given the fact this guy's at 31% uh, in the polls. But we see right in front of us, we don't have to go back in history anymore. Look at Venezuela, which in our lifetimes, not, you know, the lifetimes of somebody who's 60 or 70 years old, but recent lifetimes of everybody of voting age can see Venezuela going from the richest nation in South America, maybe the second to third richest in all the Western Hemisphere, tons of natural resources, tons of people resources and going to a place that is a complete chaos and basket case. And the reason for that is socialism was implemented by Hugo Chavez. That was a person who was evil and incompetent, um, but lionized by the media, many Democrats and you know, our folks in Hollywood, you remember, um, uh, you know, Sean so Penn. Many different in- yeah, Sean Penn, oh, among others, he went Sean down Penn. there and, 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 and rubbed elbows and, and, and with, um, uh, with, uh, Hugo Chavez and came back praising him. And you're right, uh, Pete, this is, this is a, look, you're talking about the difference between socialism and communism. I think most Marxists, you know, real students of Karl Marx, they have put it best. Socialism is the first phase of communism. They, they, they're, they are not different. They are progressive. They move once one is implemented, it is easier to take the step to the, to, to the, to implement the rest of that. And that is the real danger here. You mentioned Venezuela, exactly correct, going from being a very well off country with people living, uh, living, uh, uh, very well and comfortably to them scraping snails off the bottom of rocks for, for meals, uh, to, you know, and we'll look at, look at Cuba. 
it, it did it in a, in a bit of a faster way, which Bernie Sanders said he was excited by. It did it a little bit faster, but but socialism is communism. It's just a, an earlier version of it. Yeah, and Bernie Sanders, i uh, go back to his age again. For a guy who's been around for a long time, the fact that it hasn't penetrated his brain, and I, I'm not necessarily sure it hasn't penetrated his brain. Um, you, In order to brace socialism slash communism, you have to be impervious to facts and log- logic. You can You have to either be ignorant or evil or some combination thereof. And those who simply dismiss Bernie Sanders are dismissing individuals or would have dismissed a lot of individuals that have visited upon significant segments of the world population untold misery. This is a prescription for failure. This is a prescription for implosion of the United States of America. And it's a testament to what has happened to our educational system and also, I think, a testament to a large extent of the success of America. We have gotten so insulated, or so many of us have gotten so insulated from real-world problems that almost, the, almost everybody else in the world has to face on a regular basis that we think that it's just happenstance, or we think that there's an entitlement here in the United States to the kind of standard of living that we've gotten used to, that it doesn't require constant vigilance in terms of protecting our liberties, including our economic liberties. But Bernie Sanders is a test case here. Um, I think if he ran against Donald Trump, he'd get trounced. But it's nonetheless troubling that this guy can be polling above 1% of the Democratic electorate, let alone 31%. And something needs to be done about that dynamic in the long term. That's why I'm focused on this, Pete. I I don't think he can be uh, Donald Trump either. But the fact that he is polling as high as he is, 31% of Democrat voters want him to win the nomination, is staggering. And second place is 19%. So that means he's got a healthy uh, you know, lead over everybody else. And I know it's a terrible cesspool of candidates, but still, for for, uh, an avowed socialist-slash-communist, to, to be in this position is very frightening as far as the direction of our country. Maybe he can't beat Donald Trump, but let me ask you this, Peter Kersenow. Let's just say for the sake of it that, that Donald Trump, who is a unique candidate and unique president, is not there. A regular old establishment Republican who isn't Donald Trump and doesn't generate the passion that Trump generates among his base. If that person was running against Bernie Sanders, I'd be scared to death. I would, too. I still think that Bernie Sanders would lose, but I'd have less confidence in that outcome. For whatever reason, uh, and I think a lot of what the media is doing, obviously, is a reaction to Trump rather than an endorsement of Sanders, but there is a significant cohort in the media, we've seen it for at least my entire lifetime, that embraces socialism. They think it's, you know, no big deal, despite the fact that they cover this stuff. It, it just is extraordinary to me that individuals so, who should be so intimately familiar with the depredations of socialism, nonetheless, seem to just kind of march along and don't even pause to say, hey, this is bad news. This is an ideology that's resulted in death and misery for untold hundreds of millions. Peter Kersenow, uh on point as always. I know you got a jet, my friend. Thank you for coming in again. Uh, we just had you the last time we were on the air on Friday, so I wasn't sure if you'd have the time today. I'm glad you made it, and I know every listener who enjoys you appreciates it as well. Thank you, my friend. Always great, Bob. Take care. Thank you, sir. Peter Kersenow joining us on AM 1420, The Answer. I don't have too many uh, uh, too many things to add to what Kersenow says because he uh, says it so well. If you would like to respond, though, the last segment will be yours. 216-901-0945, right back on The Authority. Distance along your 
right, 1054, final segment of the Authority for this Tuesday morning. Boy, President Trump has been busy and active this morning on Twitter, and I haven't had a chance to respond to any of it because uh, we're focusing on his opponents right now. We're focusing on those who would try to undo everything that he has done uh, in his first three years as President of the United States to improve this economy, to put people back to work, to raise wages, to lower taxes, to increase business, to increase trade relations and uh, 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 the return on our trade uh, from uh, uh, countries like China and, of course, with the USMCA, with, uh, with uh, Canada, Mexico. Uh, all of the great things that have happened in the last three years will be undone. If a Mikey Bloomberg wins the presidency, if a Bernie Sanders wins the presidency, <clears throat> the killer bees, as I will refer to them, uh, to them now through the uh, Democratic convention this summer in Milwaukee, until one of them is the new, is the nominee, um, are, are extraordinarily dangerous. By the way, I didn't even get to this one with Kirsten. Now, one more from Bloomberg before I go back to the phones real quick here. This is um, this is uh, this is Mike Bloomberg. Uh, talking about his belief that open borders is the solution to all of our problems. The world is more complex than ever before. It is more dangerous than ever before because of technology and weapons and that sort of thing and free travel and that sort of thing. But the solution to our problems is more open borders, not closed borders. I, I want you to hear that again real quick. He just said, not, well, I'll read it to you so I can go to the calls. The world is more complex than ever before. It's more dangerous than ever before because of, uh, because of technology and weapons and that sort of thing and free travel and that sort of thing. The world is more complex and more dangerous because of things like free travel. In other words, criminals, gang members, cartel members, etc., etc., have free passage, free travel. It's one of the most dangerous things ever. And the solution, he said, is open borders, not closed borders. This is the guy that wants to... T- you're the president of the United States, Mike in Akron. Mike, thanks for waiting. You're on AM 1420. The answer. Go right ahead. Bob, thanks for taking my call. I love your show. I love the regular guests you have, Jim Jordan, uh, Dr. Everett Piper, and Peter Kirshenow. They are so outstanding. They speak with such clarity and wisdom. It's just, I love it. The Democrats make zero sense. So open borders and free health care. Gosh, what could go wrong with that? How long do people want to stand in line for for, for health care? Oh. I, I mean, you'd have a you'd have a billion people want to come to this country to get free health care just for that alone. Not to mention everything else the Democrats want to get them give them. I just want to know how long do Democrats want to stand in line for free health care? It just it is insane to even. Th- it, we, not only can we not afford it, nobody wants. To, to you know, compromise the quality of healthcare they're, they're well, getting. Well, yeah, and it's not they just standing they, they in line, my friend. It's not just standing in line because somebody's got to pay for that, and that will come in the right. form of extraordinarily right. higher taxes. So you have less money in your pocket. You get less access to care. You have to wait longer for care. Also, that you can be providing said care for people who are right. not even resident or citizens of this country. So, uh, right. thank you. My well, friend. the Democrats. I appreciate it. I got to run here because I didn't get everybody else in. And thank you for the compliments on the uh, guests that I choose on this program. I will tell you this. Somebody, uh, I can't remember who it was, said it a long time ago that when you, as an employer, hire people who are smarter than you, you immediately prove that you are smarter than them. And that's how I run this show. I bring on people who are better than I am, who can say it better than I can, because then it reflects better on this show as a whole. So, yes, I give all credit to uh, the people that I bring in. BJ in North Olmstead next. Hi, BJ. Go ahead. Thank you, Bob. Great show. I love your guests. Thank you. We are into hardball now. It's no longer a pussy footing around. Bloomberg is the Lenin of our country. 
he wants to take down the crosses on churches. You got to find that one and put that on the air. Maybe he wants to put the Star David on them. I don't give a damn anymore about propriety. We have to be truthful of who Bloomberg and Sanders are and what they did to Russia they want to do to this country. They'll put more people in jail and incarcerate them if they ever get into office. We have to now become very much aware. As optimistic as I am, I'm hoping that the American public wakes up to truth and not be afraid to identify people any more than they are the mafia bosses and the, and the Nazi killers. We've got to be truthful to ourselves. Thank you for your time, Bob. Thank you, BJ. I appreciate that. Very great points. And the last call goes to Bedford, and that's Carol. Carol, you're on AM 1420. The answer, i got about 35 seconds. Go ahead. I'd love somebody to ask Bernie Sanders, if socialism is so great, why aren't there thousands trying to breach the borders of Venezuela? Why are they trying to come here risking their lives and lives of their children to come to America? We're what a not great so- question. I, Carol, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. That's, thank you for the call, dear. That's a great question. If socialism and communism were so great, why aren't people flooding the borders of Venezuela, Russia, Cuba, North Korea, etc.? If socialism and communism is the way to go, then those countries would be overflowing with migrants. They're not. Thanks so much for the time. Have a great day. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.